everybody and welcome back to the Soto Mojo Podcast. This is Colby Patnode and I'm joined as always by Ty Gonzalez. And Ty, today is going to be a legendary day. Yeah, it's a it's a very, very important day for, uh, for Mariners fans across the world, uh, young and old. And uh, yeah, very, very excited for the moment that's going to come up in about two and a half hours from now. Right. And uh yeah, we're we're pretty pretty jazzed about that. So looking forward to to talking with you today on this on this amazing day and sharing that uh, with you and our readers and everything. And uh, yeah, it's a really good day to be a Mariner fan. Yeah, uh, just to break the fourth wall real quick, uh, Ty and I are recording at twelve thirty Pacific time. Um, so Edgar Martinez has not been elected into the Hall of Fame at well, either has or he hasn't. We do not know for sure that he is. Um, at this time, at the time of this recording, but he's up over 91% in the public ballots. Uh, he He's getting in. And like you mentioned, it's such a, it's a momentous day for Edgar Martinez and his family. Also his teammates, the Seattle Mariners organization. And really, you know, today, and it's all, it's always been about Edgar, but uh, I, I do think that we would be remiss if we didn't also congratulate uh, the fans and the people who really pushed uh, Edgar's candidacy um, because four or five years ago, this did not look like a real possibility at all. And now we're sitting here recording on, on January 22nd of 2019 and it's all but a lock that Edgar Martinez is going to be a hall of famer. So, um, you know, congratulations to everybody involved. Um, you know, I just, I, I can't wait for Edgar to finally get his due, his, uh, his due respect as one of the best hitters of all time. Uh, he's my favorite player growing up. I, I love Edgar Martinez. Uh, I love everything about him and I, I couldn't be happier. And, uh, I, I suspect some, uh, some happy tears will be shed, um, at about three fifteen uh, Pacific time. It, it's, it's such a wonderful day. And I, I don't know to me, this is bigger than, than, uh, Griffey getting in. Um, probably because we all knew that was going to happen. Uh, but it's just, I seriously, five years ago, this was almost a pipe dream. Edgar was at like 27% or something like that. Mm-hmm. And now he's probably going to be up over 80% five years later. Um, and it's, it's well-deserved and it's 10 years later than it should be. But Edgar Martinez is going to be a hall of famer and that is freaking awesome. Yeah. And, you know, and you mentioned it, you know, you got to give a hand to uh, to the Mariners organization and their PR team for, um, you know, really kicking this promotion into high gear over the last three years and and really getting Egger's name out there and really um, showing the voters how much of an impact Egger had on the game of baseball and how much of a of an incredible player but not also but also an incredible person that Edgar was and is to this day um 
and that that's that's been an incredible job because like you said five years ago he was at 27 percent and now you know with half of the ballots or almost half of the ballots uh made public he's at 91 percent and that's an incredible change and a lot of that has to do with the um just the incredible people that work within the mariners organization to uh to help uh make that more common knowledge how good Edgar was. Yeah, it's, um, it really is something, man. And I know that, uh, nationally King Griffey jr. Is the face of the Seattle Mariners. Um, mm-hmm. and each is probably second. And I don't know that that will ever change just the impact those two players had on a national level an international level, um, for the Seattle Mariners, but here locally in Seattle, Edgar Martinez is, I, I mean, he is everything and more that Griffey and Ichiro and Randy Johnson and all those guys are to the city of Seattle. He is, uh, he's everything. It's the Seattle Mariners do not exist today without Edgar Martinez. And that's, that's just a simple fact. They're not here without Edgar. Um, and you know, of, of course the double, um, forever seared in Mariners fans, uh, in Mariners fans brains, um, there are just so many big hits and so much respect around the game. I, you know, it's like, it's just, it's incredible. And kudos to the Mariners uh, PR and the franchise for really stepping their game up over the last couple of years. But also, you know, I, I still do want to give some uh, respect for uh, colleagues uh, at like Lookout Landing and USS Mariner and Fangraphs and guys like Brian Kinney and Larry Stone and all these guys who really pushed Edgar's candidacy for the last decade, um, really. And it's just, it's a reward for us, but most importantly, it is everything Edgar Martinez deserves and more. Um, you know, I, I honestly, I am so thrilled. Uh, it's, it's one of the better days of my lifetime. And I just, I'm so excited for this announcement, which is now about two hours and 45 minutes away. So, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's incredible. (laughs) And, and, you know, there, there isn't enough that you can say about, about Edgar, you know, obviously you think about the key moments, you know, the double, the, the grand slam before that. Um, But, you know, you look at, you look at his numbers the man had an on-base percentage of above 400 for eight straight years. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen. <laughs> like that doesn't happen. That's incredible. He almost had an on-base percentage of 500 <laughs> at one point. Yep. He finished with a career on-base percentage of over of over 400. You know, he slashed 312. Uh, here, let me pull up the exact numbers so I I, I don't misspeak, but. 312, 414, 516, something like that. 312, 418, 515. Yeah. It, I mean, the, Jesus. <laughs> all he did, all he did was hit and get on base. He fin okay, he finished with a higher walk percentage than a strikeout percentage. Yep. What? <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, okay. Uh, I you know it and that's not just 
you know, being able to take a pitch. That's Mm -hmm. being able to make contact on a consistent basis, which is hard for any player. Look at a guy like Aaron Judge, who's one of the superstars in baseball right now. The guy strikes out above 30% each year. Like, and, and, you know, if Aaron Judge keeps going the way that he's going, he'll probably be a, you know, a Hall of Famer one day. Mm-hmm. You know, Edgar, it took, so. and Edgar, it took him 10 years to get in. And he literally across the board has amazing numbers, even in a year, even in the only year, his final year, when he finished with a, with a negative war in, in 2004, he still slashed 263, 342, 385. That's still a really good hitter. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, the stats alone are great. There's the really uh, popular one. Um, I think it's, there's only six players with a 300, 400, 500 slash line with at least 2,000 hits, 500 doubles, 300 home runs, 1,200 RBIs, and 1,200 walks. And then the guys on that list are like Hornsby and Gehrig and Jimmy Fox. And you're, and you just look at those names and you go and Edgar Martinez. I mean, if you're in that company, I, I really don't care that he didn't have 500 home runs or whatever. Um, and by the way, he probably would have, if the Mariners weren't idiots in the early eighties, I mean, the guy didn't even get a full shot to be a full-time regular until he was 27 years old. I mean, and it wasn't because he struggled in his age, 26 and 25 season. He demolished AAA. Uh, I, the guy, it's just, it's incredible. And he is one of the best hitters of all time, uh, regardless of position. Um, and it's just, you know, it's going to be great watching in uh, in July as uh, the Edgar chant starts uh, roaming through Cooperstown. Um, and hopefully uh, sometime, sometime shortly after that, uh, he comes back to Seattle, and uh, we, the fans, get to celebrate with him at uh, T-Mobile uh, Park. Um, I, I hope that's something that they do. I'm sure it is, um, and hopefully that's something that I'll be uh, I'll be able to attend because uh, Edgar Edgar just he, he means so much to me. Um, you know, like I said, he was my favorite player. I, I started watching religiously in 2001. Uh, that's my first year I played organized baseball and all that stuff. And Edgar was my favorite player. I wore number 11 from my first day of little league until my playing career ended. Um, and that, that was, that that was for Edgar, man. I, I really, it's, it means a lot to me. Um, and I'm sure it means even more to Edgar Martinez and the Seattle Mariners. But, uh, yeah, I mean, God, the guy is just, he is just incredible in every sense of the word. Now, you know, I got to ask you this. If this was the first year that Edgar was on the ballot, do you think he would have been a first ballot Hall of Famer? Now that there are more, you know, younger, more um, progressive thinking um, voters. Um, I don't know that he would have gotten in because I still think there's enough people who have this moronic idea that a first ballot Hall of Famer has to be, you know, 500 home runs and 1500 RBI and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I, I don't buy that at all. I know a lot of writers do, but to me, if you're a hall of famer in year 10, you're a hall of famer in year one. Um, but I think enough writers believe that, uh, that they would have kept him out, but he would have been, I'm guessing probably over 50%, um, instead of the 35%, I think he was at. 
in year mm-hmm. one. So I, I think it would have only taken two or three years, uh, but I don't think he would have been first ballot if this was, in fact, his first time on the ballot. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, keep uh, three o'clock, guys. Uh, that's when the official announcement starts. I'm guessing uh, there'll be a lot of uh, build up and hoopla. So, I'm, I'm assuming the official announcement will be around 310 to 315. Um, and chances are, if you're listening to this, you've already heard the announcement. Edgar's in. Uh, congratulations to Edgar Martinez. Um, and I just, I, I don't know how many more times we can say congratulations. So, uh, Let's go ahead and let's let's move this along to uh, the 2019 Seattle Mariners. Um, and surprise, surprise, Jerry Depoto has made another trade, um, acquiring Shed Long from the well from the New York Yankees, technically, um, in exchange for Josh Stowers. So, Ty, what do you know about Shed Long, uh, and what do you think of the trade? Yeah, so. Um... It's kind of an odd trade, really, because you know you you have the Yankees who traded Sonny Gray to the to the Reds and got and uh, got a competitive balance round A pick and long um, in return. And as soon as the Gray trade was finalized, they turned around and just flipped long to the Mariners. And um, really, I don't get it from the Yankees side. Shed Long is a, in my opinion, is a better prospect than than Stores. However, I I do kind of understand it in the sense that Long did take up a, four, a forty man roster spot for the Yankees, and also they didn't really have anywhere to put him, especially since he's expected to to make a, a, a the big league team at some point during the season. So I kind of understand that wanting to get someone like Stores, who's a little bit further away. You know, and that's and that's kind of the difference between where the Yankees and the Mariners are at. Still, I just you know you rather have better talent, and I think that Long is the better prospect at least as of now. Um, but yeah, for, you know, and 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 in saying that, I think the Mariners did amazing in this trade. Um, Long uh, was drafted as a high school catcher by the uh, by the Reds in um, let's see here in the twelfth round of the twenty thirteen draft. Uh, they threw a lot of money at him to, to retain him and make sure he didn't go to college. Um, and yeah, they, uh, he's done nothing but hit. They, they ended up converting him to, to second base. He hasn't done that well. Um, they're defensively, especially last year, he had 15 errors at second base in double a, um, the the Mariner or Jerry Depoto yesterday said that they they'll look at him uh, all along the the infield, um, specifically mentioning third base. Um, that might be a bit better for him. Uh, he has very quick release on his arm, decent enough arm to get by in the infield and and be able to fit at third base. I also see him as potentially a corner outfield uh, piece, um, maybe. Uh, kind of like how the Rangers have handled Willie Calhoun. Um, but yeah, long last year, uh, played a full season in double a, uh, for the Reds, 126 games slash two sixty one three fifty three four twelve. generates a lot of bat speed has, has, um, really solid power, uh, 12 home runs, uh, last year, 
56 RBI, also has a nice amount of speed, stole 19 bases last year. So, um, you know, and you know how much Jerry loves his, uh, his speed guys. So, uh, to, to put at the top or the bottom of the lineups, but, um, but yeah, really, uh, where his, um, where long really, uh, has to improve his, uh, defense. You know, he's got to find a place that he can stick. I'm not sure if that's second base, but, um, if he can at least put together uh, a little bit of improvement, uh, in the coming months as he, as he, Likely will start the season in Tacoma. Um, he should be well on his way to at least getting a chance to play second base for the Mariners at the major league level at some point this year. Um, one one uh, one um, comparison I would like to make, uh, pro comparison I would like to make is, is uh, Rugnet Odor. Um, both are... Um, are uh, left-handed hitters that generate a lot of power. They're you know Shed Long is five foot eight, Odor is five foot eleven. Both aren't really fantastic defensively at second base, except for you know as as we found out in our pre-show that Odor had improved quite a bit uh, this this past year defensively. However, um, leading up to that was pretty pretty mediocre at the position. That will probably be uh, where Shed Long ends up, but. Um, but yeah, if the power continues to uh, to improve, and he continues to get on base, that's a really nice piece to have. Uh, Long was the seventh uh, prospect uh, ranked in the Reds organization by Pipeline. He fits in right now at number eight for the Mariners. Um, and Fangraphs uh, has uh, last year assigned a future value grade of fifty to him. Um, I believe that will. Uh, that will stick and only three other Mariners prospects currently have that value or are above that value. So it's a really nice piece to get as for stores. He had, a, you know, had a lot of potential. I really liked him coming out of, out of college when the, when the Mariners drafted him, but they trade from a place that they have a lot of depth of in the, um, in the in the farm system, they get an infield piece that they didn't really have within their farm system, and they also get a player that I just believe is frankly better and has more more potential going forward in the uh, in the major leagues. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that now that Stowers has left the Seattle Mariners, he's going to be the poor man's Andrew McCutcheon. Um, where when he was drafted by the Seattle Mariners in the second round, everybody said, oh, that's a reach. Um, so funny how things change when you go from the Mariners uniform to Yankee pinstripes. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, overall, I, I can't disagree with uh, anything you really said there. I think, um, you know, Odor is uh, is an interesting comp. Uh, last year, Odor slash 253, 326, 424, um, 18 home runs, 12 steals. And that, that feels about right for uh, for Shed Long when you project him out long-term. Um, there's potential for more there. He can definitely hit, like you said. Uh, really good bat speed. Um, so the power seems legitimate despite him being five foot eight. Uh, you mentioned third base is a possibility. I think left field is also a real possibility. Um, he's a pretty good athlete, not great. Uh, speed about average across the board with really good bat speed. He's going to be a player who probably is going to be like a seven hole hitter 
type of guy. Uh, maybe a maybe a nine with some pop. He he's, looks like a solid player. Uh, the defense will be kind of the determining factor here. Is he good enough to get by at second base and be a bat for a second baseman? I think probably he is. Third base, I don't know if the bat's good enough to really be a third baseman uh, if you're into that kind of uh, sorry the position-based uh, scouting or whatever. I think left field makes a lot of sense. It, it really depends on what kind of power we're going to get from Shedlong. Uh, the power has been growing, like you said, in, uh, a advanced a ball last year, he slashed 543 or he slugged 543 in advanced a ball last year. And, uh, you mean forced, in, 20, in 2017. Yeah. 2017. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if the power's legitimate and around a 425, 440 slugging percentage, somewhere in that range, with his stolen base potential and his power and all that stuff, he's probably looking at like a solid two win player, mm-hmm. which is which is valuable. That's an that's a average big league starter. Josh Stowers, I still when they made the pick, I'm sure you recall Ty. I did not really like it at all. Yeah, um, I felt it was a pretty big reach. Um, after learning more about him and whatnot, I I started to understand it, and I don't. I still don't love. I still never loved it, but I, I thought it was fine. Um, I just I always saw a lot of Cameron Mabin in him, and it seemed like maybe the ceiling was like Austin Jackson, which is fine. But I I don't know. It, it's it's a little bit insane. Uh, the one thing I will say about uh, Shed Long that I would like to see change is he hits a lot of ground balls. Now some of that could be. Uh, the Reds, you know, trying to uh, go for a contact-oriented type of swing with him, which would be insane because he does have the bat speed and natural power to be a 20-home run guy. So maybe that changes in AAA. The Mariners will get to use him. There's no rush to get him to the big leagues. You have D. Gordon. You have Tim Beckham. You have Kyle Seeger. You have Domingo Santana. Like, you're set with where you want, so you don't need to rush him. Let him stay in AAA for a while, work things out. If uh, he hits a AAA, there's a real shot he's up this year. Um, I probably, I bet he's up in in uh, in September regardless as a call-up, but there's a possibility it's sooner than that. I, I really think he's a good three-month stretch in Tacoma away from coming up and being the Mariners' starting second baseman or some kind of utility guy. Um We'll see what happens with D. Gordon if he gets traded and whatnot and all that stuff. But the Mariners' farm system got better today, despite what you know certain people who should stick to football uh, are saying about it <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> and uh, actually, you know what? That guy should just delete his Twitter in general. So, uh-huh. um, but uh, it, it's a good deal. Could could Josh Stowers be a better player than Shed Long? Yeah. It's possible. Is it likely? No, it's not. So yeah. it, it's really hard to find something to dislike about this deal, um, unless you're Jared Stanger. Then you just get to be mad on principle because they traded a guy. They had the audacity to trade a guy that you liked. So shame on them. Yeah, because Ty Smith and Christian Sicoli were great for the Seahawks. <laughs> totally, man. Oh, and by the way, did you know Logan Gilbert is a bust already? 
Yeah. Hasn't yeah he hasn't even thrown a pitch. pitch. In professional baseball, and yet he's a bust. Oh, well. Mariners waste another first-round pick. I guess they could just trade Logan. Maybe they should have traded Logan Gilbert for Shed Long instead of Josh Stowers. What a tool. Oh, God. So, yeah, you know, uh, apparently Cal Raleigh is expected to carry the uh, 2018 draft now, according to Jared oh. Stinger. But. <laughs> oh, if he's not good, man, then the Mariners are screwed because, I mean, they, they don't have any young, you know, in their prime pieces like Kikuchi or Malik Smith or Omar Narvaez or Mitch Hanniger or Marco Gonzalez. I mean, man, if Cal Raleigh doesn't hit, whew, the Mariners aren't. <laughs> Big, big trouble. I mean, oh, my God. If Cal Raleigh is not the all-star that some people seem to think he's going to be, then, man, Jerry Depoto is he, he's a hack, man. He really is. God, that is uh, so. That might be the <laughs> stupidest tweet of all time. <laughs> oh, man. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, again, you know, looking at the trade, I just I don't see anything wrong with it. I really don't get it from the Yankees' perspective. Like I kind of do, but I re- like for the most part I don't. Um, straight up, Shed Long is the better prospect right now by far, mm-hmm. and um, you know he's probably just on the outside of the ten best second base prospects right now, and that's impressive to get that, especially at this point in time. So yeah, I think it's a it's an incredible deal for uh, for Jerry, and it's probably one of my favorite trades of the off season at this point. I think it, I think there's a lot of potential there, and um, you know those are the type of deals that you need to make uh, at 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 this point in time with the uh, with where the rebuild is, and especially Shed Long. Like we said, he's only a few months away from from uh, the MLB. Yeah, he. This is another guy that will come in with very little pressure on him to perform, and you'll see what you have, and you see if you can go into twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one with him. And right. you know, and you know that that's that's big for them because really the only the only two players that that we won't know about until 2021 or 2022 are uh Jerry Kelnick and and Julio Rodriguez. The rest we're going to figure out over the next couple of years and there's not going to be a lot of pressure on these guys because the Mariners don't care about winning right now. Exactly. Um so yeah, I, I am going to sto- giving up Stowers is not nothing. I, the Mariners didn't give up, get shed long for free. They gave up something yeah. of value. Um, mm-hmm. But I know for me personally, Stowers was number eleven uh, of my initial ranks, which I was still reworking a little bit. But he was going to be right there around ten, eleven, twelve. Um, shed long right now is sixth for me. Um, he might be seventh or he might be eight, but he'll be six through eight somewhere in there. Um, he's just a better prospect. And the Mariners this offseason have acquired Malik Smith and Jake Fraley and Dom Thompson Williams. And they still have Julio Rodriguez, who's probably closer to the big leagues than Josh Stowers. Uh, you know, Kyle Lewis, they, and they also acquired Domingo Santana, who's got three years of club control. Hanager's still Kelnick. got four. Kelnick, who's, you know, probably three to four years away, just like Stowers is. So I just, 
there's so much outfield depth there. It just it makes all the sense in the world for the Mariners to make this deal. And you know, good on good on Jerry for doing it. And uh, you know, we'll we'll see how it works out. But um, you know, right now looking at the trade, which is the only fair way to do it, it, it seems like a great deal for the Mariners. So, um, speaking of uh, great deals for the Mariners, this this trade was part of a three team deal. Was it technically a three team deal, really? Though, because no, the Mariners no. did acquire. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because... It was it, it was officially announced that like the Reds officially announced and the Yankees officially announced that that Shedlong went to the was Yankees. It? Right. So it's kind of a three team deal, but whatever. It, it is a deal that came off of the Sunny Gray. Talks. The Mariners were connected to Sonny Gray for most of the winter, even after they had they had uh, signed Kikuchi. They they were still connected to Sonny Gray. Uh, and then what was it? Two days ago, the report came out from MLB trade rumors that the Mariners also had interest in Martin Perez. So the Mariners appear to be sniffing around veterans starting pitching. And I guess the question is, Ty, uh, why are they doing that? Um, well, I, th- I think it's, uh, it implies that, that they feel confident in being able to deal Mike Leak. Um, otherwise, you know, really right now, I, I'm, I'm not incredibly sure because, you know, you expect Wade LeBlanc to be in the, in the rotation. You expect Felix to be in the rotation. You have Marco Kikuchi and leak so really yeah it, it to me it just says that they're confident and that they're dealing leak at some point um and they they want to fill that gap with um another veteran you know on a on a cheaper deal um you know i look at someone you know like perez uh made sense he he went to the twins correct um so yeah, he, yeah I, I i look at uh, you know, that kind of player or that kind of pitcher and think, you know, maybe uh, Jeremy Hellickson makes some sense. Um, you know, perhaps uh, someone like Irvin Santana, who you who you really seem to like. And they may be looking for an opportunity to get a guy that can bounce back, pitch well for them enough to get them to... Uh, you know uh, the Justice Sheffields and the and the Eric Swansons of the world, you know, to where they're ready to to make that next step, and then you're able to get something of value back for them. Um, so yeah, I, I you know it's it's not I don't think it's a pressing need. I don't think they absolutely have to go get that. You know veteran uh starting pitcher but apparently that's what they're looking for another guy that makes some sense maybe james shields maybe marco estrada um i also like drew pomeranz and uh we you know we talked about Gio gonzalez last year uh around the uh, around the waiver deadline for the mariners and that can make some sense again here um so yeah i i don't know i it really depends on what's going on with leak because I mean, there's there's no way that that Felix starts in the bullpen, right? No. And then LeBlanc, I would assume they only want LeBlanc to start if he's going to 
stay with the team. Um, so yeah, you know, Brent Anderson could be another another name that makes a, l- a little bit of sense there. I don't know. Uh, are there names that you like, and uh, you know, have you been able to make some sort of sense out of this? Yeah, I think this is all about, um, you know, Mike Leake's market will pretty much be determined by where Dallas Keuchel signs. Um, if he signs in Philadelphia, uh, Leak is going to be the best starter on the market. And I know that sounds crazy to people because they watch Mike Leak and think he's bad for some reason. Um, but Mike Leak is a solid two-win pitcher. He's got upside to be a little bit more than that. He's a number four. He's going to give you 30 starts. He's going to give you 180 innings. Uh, he's going to give that to you with like a four ERA, give or take. He, he's a really solid starting pitcher, so there will be a market for him. It won't be robust, but if Keiko signs with like Philadelphia, I would think San Diego is like knocking on the Mariners' door um, trying to acquire him because Leak would be the best, next best guy, uh, especially for a team like San Diego. Now, if you want to talk about like, like could could they uh, like a team like the Padres? Couldn't they just go sign Irvin Santana and get a little more upside? They could. It also comes with a lot more downside. Um, so Leak is going to have value on the market. I think they're preparing for that. Um, also, I wouldn't rule out the possibility um, that the team may go like Martin Perez, maybe gets pushed to the bullpen or maybe Wade LeBlanc gets pushed to the bullpen. Um, and, uh, you know, remember they are going to do the thing with Kikuchi where every couple starts, he's going to go out there and throw an inning and then, mm. uh, his day will be done. Um, so I think that's a possibility as well. I, I just think leak is probably going to get dealt. Um, and even if he's not, uh, adding a veteran starter to spring training, uh, before spring training, doesn't hurt you at all and also like you mentioned it might help if you sign like Irvin Santana or Drew Pomerantz or whatever on a one-year deal you might not have to wait until July to trade those guys you might be able to do it at the end of spring training Um, you know when teams are players are getting hurt and teams are starting to shuffle and all that stuff you might be able to get a deal done then so it doesn't hurt to bring them into spring training they're probably not going to cost you much heck Nick Markake has just signed for six million dollars like Mm-hmm. I mean, free agents right now are not going to get great money. Um, you know, I've mentioned them a couple times just in the last two minutes, and you mentioned them too. I really like the idea of Irvin Santana. I think there's a potential number three there. Uh, Drew Pro- Drew uh, Pomerantz is interesting as well. Um, there, I think there's a chance Pomerantz could be end up in the bullpen for the rest of his career, which would be um, fine because the multi-inning reliever is very valuable now. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's mostly about setting themselves up for a potential trade either in spring training or, um, you know, after we know the market uh, a little better. In terms of in terms of like names to watch, I, it's I think you mentioned just about everybody. Um, like nobody, nobody else springs to mind for me. Uh, I suppose it's possible they could also enter the trade market and go uh, trade for a guy, but the free agent signings probably make sense. I know a lot of fans want like Bartolo Colon or Doug <laughs> Fister, and it's like, 
like Cologne would be fun, but the problem is you're trying to sign a guy who has upside to be traded. Um, yeah. And Cologne, while fun, no team is trading for him. Um, so it just, it doesn't, you're not looking for a guy to eat innings. You're looking for a guy to rebuild value and be available to trade in July, which is why Santana just makes so much sense to me. So uh, I would like to see that. And also there's the added benefit of not trying to, uh, to rush AKA, you know, you get to push back the service clock of guys like Justin Sheffield and Eric Swanson. Um, so allowing them to start in triple a, uh, you know, there there's benefit to that, uh, as well. So, I think that's what it's mostly about. It's about trading Mike Leak and making sure that they have a a plan B that's not just a Sheffield to break to break camp with the uh, with the big league team if somebody like LeBlanc or Marco or Felix or whatever gets hurt. So I, I think that's what we're looking at here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That and you know we mentioned LeBlanc and. That's kind of a guy that I'm surprised didn't have any sort of trade interest this offseason. You know, team-friendly deal coming off of a pretty decent year. He's serviceable. You know, could be a solid five for some team that is maybe on the fringe of contention. Uh, I I don't know. I... I you know, I, I want to ask you this. Do you think that with if LeBlanc continues uh, or picks up where he left off from last year, do you think that LeBlanc is a trade candidate at some point? Yeah. Uh, I think he's possible he could be one right now. We just don't know about it. Um, mm-hmm. LeBlanc was, was quite good last year. Um, yeah. And I think that's a uh, – I, I think with his short-term contract, it's very team-friendly. I think he's got – two team options after this, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It's something Uh, like that. And they're all for like $2 million. Yeah. Like the, the deal is a ridiculous value for the Mariners, especially if LeBlanc LeBlanc pitches like he did last year. I mean, just looking at his baseball reference page, he had a three, seven, two ERA, a 1.18 whip and a 2.3 war, um, 162 innings pitched. I, yeah, the guy last year he was a legitimate number four. Um, that's that has value, and mm-hmm. I'm looking at the uh, the contract right now. Uh, he's under contract this year for uh, 2.3 million dollars, mm-hmm. uh, with 450 thousand possible uh, as performance bonuses. So less than three million dollars, and then he, the next three years after that are all five million dollar team options with $450,000 buyouts. Uh, so it's incredibly uh, team-friendly. Um, and if he struggles or gets hurt or whatever, you can cut him with you know, with little, if any, uh, financial ramifications, uh, DFA, whatever. Uh, he's just... I, I think he will have value to some team, uh, especially if he repeats what uh, what he did last year. He might be one of the uh, the more valuable uh, trade ships this uh, this July. I mean, it's it's totally possible, um, you know. And just, well, despite being, you, you look at him and you think Rich Hill, right? Yeah, I'm sure that's what. I mean, not without the velocity. I mean, Rich Hill's still right. throwing what ninety two, ninety three, something like that. 
Right. Uh, yeah, but there it's a late it's a late career kind of blossoming. I, I know like Mariners fans are desperate to throw the Jamie Moyer tag on him, and it, it's not like they're far off. Um, it's just I, don't know, I LeBlanc's got he's he's not Jamie Moyer, but kind of a late career like rebirth. And he's thirty. He's gonna gonna play most of the season at age thirty four. So he's not like over the hill or anything like that. And he's pitched out of the bullpen for a lot of his career. He doesn't have a ton of miles on his arm. So I, I, I think it's possible that he ages better than a lot of people, uh, than a lot of uh, players do. So I'm not 100% sure that the Mariners don't see Wade LeBlanc as part of their immediate future. Um, you know, eventually he'll, he will be pushed out by young arms, but for now, I, they don't need to trade him unless they get a deal that they absolutely love. Um, right. But do, do I think they'll listen? Uh, yeah, I think they probably already have, and I think they'll continue to. But uh, for now, I mean, teams are doing a lot worse than Wade LeBlanc, so that'll be interesting yeah. to watch. Yeah. All right. So we have a couple of questions um to wrap up this show um so let's dive right in uh rob jameson at the real underscore rob j on twitter uh he wants he's uh he's a mariners optimist he fully admits that Uh, but he wants to know um if it's delusional of him to think that the team could hang around in the wild card race you and I have mentioned this several times, but let, let's talk mm-hmm. about it a little bit more in depth here. Um, is Rob delusional? No. Yeah. And simply, and, and, and the reason why, the American League hasn't really gotten much better, uh, especially the bottom half. Um, which, I mean, there's still a lot of time, there's still a lot of free agents out there that a lot of teams can probably get bargains on. Um, but yeah, some of the teams that I expected to make that next jump haven't. Um, and I think the Mariners are kind of in a similar place to where they were last year. Um, obviously, uh, you know, you look at their bullpen, you look at the rotation, you look at the lineup, et cetera. It's, it's a worse team than last year, but not by much. Um, really the, the bullpen is the, the biggest problem because of, well, pretty much every uh, every member of that bullpen from opening day is gone, except for Dan Altavilla, and uh, you know they haven't done much to to address the bullpen, and that's fine. They don't need to with uh, you know what they're doing this year. But um, the lineup is still really good, uh, I think. I mean, and by really good, I mean you know it's it's better than you'd expect. Um, you know, you just look at some of the guys that are still there um, and have, you know, and they've now brought in with Domingo Santana, Malik Smith, um, Omar Narvaez, and having them join the likes of, you know, Mitch Haniger, uh, D. Gordon, Cal Seager. You know, and as for, for Gordon and Seager, you expect them to to be somewhat better than they were last year, considering that. Both of them had career worst years, um, so you can't. Um, it's hard to imagine them being worse. Um, but yeah, it, I you know I can see them in in the, in the middle of of the wild card race. You know we've said that 
um, you know, a few times now. I by August, if they're still in it, you know, that wouldn't be a surprise. You know, it, it's possible that they're, you know, that one team that kind of just hangs around for you know for a couple months and stays uh, two to three games back or five games back, et cetera, and have a couple teams that they need to leapfrog to get in. You know, but I don't know. Maybe they're ahead of schedule. Who knows? It's, uh, but yeah, it's not delusional to think that. I think really they aren't that much worse off than they were last year. I think the addition of Kikuchi, uh, even though that you you've lost James Paxson, I think the addition of Kikuchi and and having Marco uh, get another year under his belt, and you know if you bring in someone like Irvin Santana or Gio Gonzalez. And then, obviously, you got Justice Sheffield and Eric Swanson and Justin Dunn on the way. I think that rotation could be better than it was last year. I think it's in a better spot than it was last year, um, even even with the departure of James Paxson. I, I, you know, there were a lot of questions about that rotation uh, at the start of the year last year, rightfully so, and they didn't really do a whole lot to to fix it, but. You know, you think you know if if Wade LeBlanc can Wade LeBlanc can uh, continue to be solid, and you know, obviously the the biggest you know the the worst part of it all is Felix, because you expect that he'll just continue to struggle. Um, but you know, other than that, it's it's not terrible, and the team as a whole is not terrible. Um, I don't think that they have a chance of actually getting in as the second wild card. I think they would have to have some sort of Oakland A's-esque type miracle uh, to accomplish that. Uh, I just don't think that that's going to happen. And I don't think they'll be interested in, in trying to add um, you know, veteran players on one-year deals to help get them there, you know, come July or August. I think even if they're 10 games over 500, just for example, I don't think that they're, I don't think they'll deviate from their plan because that's not, you know, that's not what they came into this year to do. Right. They're not going to trade for this year's Manny Machado at the deadline and give up Jared Kelnick to make it happen. Um, Yeah, no, you're, you're not delusional at all. I, Again, is it would it be delusional if you say the Seattle Mariners are making the playoffs in 2019? Maybe a little. Um, but as of right now, Mitch Haniger is still on this team. Mike Leake is still on this team. Edwin Encarnacion is still on this team. And when you look at the the starting staff, it has a lot more probability than last year. Last year we it was looked like one of the worst staffs on paper in baseball. And Marco comes out of nowhere and kind of surprises a lot of people. Wade LeBlanc does the same thing. Leak was just fine. Uh, Paxton stayed healthy for the most part. And Felix was as bad as everybody but the Mariners thought he was going to be. So um, this year, like you said, you have a year of Marco with a good track. Well, you have a good year with Marco that he's building off of. You have a good year of Wade LeBlanc that you're building off of. Mike Leak is still here. Um, you know, Felix is still going to be terrible, but whatever. And uh, Kikuchi, while we haven't seen him pitch, he has really a quite a high floor. Um, I feel like we know what we're going to get with Kikuchi uh, as much as you can with anybody who's never thrown a pitch in the big leagues. But he, you, I feel fine about Kikuchi in the starting lineup. I don't have any worries that he's going to be terrible. Um, so the, the, uh, 
the pitching staff is probably better this year than last year, even without Paxton. It's just it's safer. Uh, certainly, there's less volatility there. The outfield defense it got better. Uh, D Gordon in center field that was a mistake. Um, and it's not that he was god awful out there. It's just that he wasn't very good. And when you're talking about center field defense, that needs to be good. Malik Smith is above average compared to D Gordon. That's really good. So. Uh, the outfield defense got better. Mitch Hanniger still in right. Domingo Santana isn't much of a drop, if any, from Ben Gamble and left. Uh, certainly not Denard Span either. The lineup on paper, despite losing a lot of big names, it's still projected. If I, I did this exercise uh, after the Carlos Santana trade, so the numbers will go uh, back down a little bit. But uh, I projected the the 2018 lineup with the 2019 lineup and with the 2019 lineup, I used 2018 statistics. So when I added Jay Bruce into the 2019 lineup, I used his 2018 statistics, which by the way, were terrible. Same mm. with Kyle Seeger, same with D Gordon. And when I added those all up, the slash lines nearly identical. I mean, the slugging percentage was down like 10 points, but the on-base percentage was up like 30 points. I mean, the lineup is not bad. Last year's lineup wasn't very good to begin with. This year, it's fine. It's probably middle of the road. The you know the only difference, like you said, is the bullpen. And really, when you're talking about a bullpen, who the hell knows? I mean, yeah, that's true too. What, was it the 2014 Mariners bullpen? Is that the one with the yep. like the Spartan helmets and whatnot? Yep. And that was Fernando Rodney and a bunch of dudes you never heard of, and they were like a top five bullpen in baseball. Yep. Um, and the Mariners certainly have the talent in their system to replicate that. Um, so yeah, if, if we get into July, I wrote about this, I don't know, about a month ago. Don't be shocked if the Mariners are buyers in July, just not buyers in the sense that, like you mentioned, they're not going to give up Kelnick for, uh, you know, yeah. for the Machado or whatever. They might give up shed long for a, player with three and a half years of club control. Like they might do something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I I think it's, I don't think you're delusional at all. I, I, to the point now where I almost expect the Mariners to be in it, uh, like legitimately in it until the draft. And then possibly the deadline, they'll still be on the fringes looking on the outside, looking in, but still with a, you know, a five to 10% shot of making the playoffs. So, um, Again, and obviously that's all subject to change. If they trade Mitch Haniger, you know, all bets are out the window. Um, mm-hmm. But as the team sits right now, and I don't think they're done adding to it either. Yeah, they 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 have a shot. It's it's not a good one, but they have a shot. So no, uh, you're you're not delusional at all. Mm-hmm. So, uh, good question there. Uh, and finally, uh, Josh Wright wants to know uh, if we could like build the ideal manager for the Mariners using only manager characteristics uh, from former Mariners managers. Uh-huh. What would our person look like? Um, I'll let you go in a second, but I'm guessing my answer is going to be a little bit simpler. Uh, uh-huh. Give me Bob Melvin with, uh, with the entertainment value of Lou Pinella. Like that's all I want. Like yeah. I don't, Bob Melvin is a, is a smart guy. He kind of got the shaft here. Um, being the guy hired right after Lou Pinella, he, he's actually pretty good here. He had a he had a ninety win season. Um, you know, it just it didn't work out. But I like how 
he survived Billy Bean for this long. Um, you know, he's well respected. He understands the analytics. He uses them. He's a good baseball guy. He has a lot of respect. So give me Bob Melvin and then toss in a little Lupinella hat throw and kick every once mm-hmm. in a while. And I'm set. So I, I would actually just prefer Bob Melvin, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll have to agree with you there because, you know, I think back on Mariners managers and not a lot of them are great. <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and honestly, you know, just thinking about managers and baseball as a whole, I don't put a lot of stock into them because most of them are just bad. Um, you know, let's let all, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take yours, you know, the Melvin plus, Pin, uh, Pinella's, uh, um, entertainment value and I'll, and I'll add John McLaren's, uh, arm sling. <laughs> from that one year <laughs> just, <laughs> just just throw that on there sure why not <laughs> just, just throw that in there so yeah i uh yeah and then hopefully he won't uh just abandon us like my car grove yeah uh, <laughs> so you're saying you don't want my car groves fortitude in your manager no uh, no. <laughs> no okay yeah, yeah just 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 abandon us while we're in first place in the ls okay sure yeah i <laughs> I don't, God, that was annoying. I just, I don't know, man. Like, and I'm sure like, oh, hey, give me this guy's baseball mind. I don't know that the Mariners have ever had like an exceptional baseball mind as the manager. Um, I think, you know, no disrespect to Lou Pinello, but I, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I was very young when Lou Pinello was in his heyday. Um, you know, I was like two years old when he was first hired. Uh, and I really only, New Lupinella for 2001, 2002, and was he the manager in 2003, or was that the year he started in Tampa? Um, but, um, yeah, yeah, 2002, we got Randy Wynn. So okay. That was, yeah. yeah. And that, that's that's great that Lupinella got us Randy Wynn. So, I mean, uh, but yeah, I, I, just, I don't remember enough about him. Uh, I, you know, I don't know how he managed a bullpen. I, I know he had a lot of respect around the league. Um, obviously his blow up blow ups were legendary. Uh, but since I've really like clicked on the consciousness of managerial decisions, uh, Bob Melvin has kind of been the guy that I like the most. Um, and you know, honestly, I, I, I spent a lot of time bashing Scott service. Um, and I think that's, you know, totally fair, but you know, of course I'm going to say that, but, uh, I spent a lot of time bashing the dude, but I still think there, there is some potential there if he would just, I don't know, use his brain. Um, <laughs> I just, come on, man. I The number of times in his introductory press conference, we're going to use the bullpen differently. We're not going to be beholden to any kind of roles, or we're not going to be, you know, we're not going to just stick the fastest guy in the leadoff spot. We're not, we're going to do things intelligently. And yet D Gordon's the leadoff man for half the year. And Edwin Diaz will not come into a game before the ninth inning. And it's like, dude, what the hell are you doing? But uh, the, I don't know. The thing that the thing that I, uh, you know, if I could take one thing from Scott, it would be um, the way that he's he's brought the clubhouse together. You know, obviously that kind of backfired towards the end of last year with Gene Segura and Nelson Cruz, but that's also you know performance related. Um, you know, Gene Segura and Robinson Cano. Yeah. Or yeah, I said Nelson Cruz, didn't yeah. I? 
I'm sorry. Yeah, Nelson Cruz is a fantastic person. <laughs> At least I think he is. Um, but yeah, Thanks. I. Yeah, but um, yeah, you look at uh, you know how he kind of established a a culture immediately. You know, with like some of the fun things that they do at, at spring training, and I don't know. It's just ever since Scott came to the Mariners, it felt like the uh, players became closer and became more of a family, um, which is nice to have. Uh, so I, I, I like that part about Scott. Um, but as you said, you know, the, the decision-making and kind of the contradict uh, contradicting of, uh, you know, of what he says and, you know, in interviews and post-game press conferences and everything, you know, to compared to what he actually does on, on the field. Um, that I can deal without. <laughs> but, yeah, I like how he's brought the, the clubhouse closer. And I think that he'll be able to do that again uh, with all these new faces and continue to do that as, you know, the younger guys come up. Um, I mean, service might just be a better fit for a younger team. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can build together as opposed to throwing together a bunch of veterans and saying, well, we know you've done it this way, but we're going to, we're going to do it this way. And the veterans kind of roll their eyes or just like, you know, and they, they buy in and they participate, but at the end of the day, it, they don't grow up in your culture at all. Um, mm-hmm. And so maybe service is better served uh, with the young up and coming team, as opposed to a, a veteran team that's trying to extend their desperately trying to extend their window. So yeah, maybe it's a and, better fit there. Yeah. And service, you know, I think service, um, yeah, he's, he's just a fun, he seems like a fun guy. Um, I wish he had a little bit more of a killer instinct to him when it comes to the, his decision making. And I think that's a good way to describe it. Maybe, you know, at times he's just a little too fun and, you know, uh, uh, a little too nice about things. You know, sometimes you know, there's times like where he could go out and stick up for a guy for his guys, and he he has at times, but there are other times where he could do that and just hasn't. Um, and also, you know, so that kind of plays into like having the entertainment value of Lou Pinella and also having the decision making of of Melvin. So yeah, if we could throw in you know Scott Service's um, ability to create culture. Or to establish a fun culture, like that mm. would be, yeah. So I think that's uh, probably going to wrap up this episode of the uh, Soto Mojo podcast. Uh, Ty, do you have any final thoughts before we sign off? I mean, I'm just excited for Agar, man. I'm mm. I'm so I'm so grateful for for everything that he did and still continues to do for this organization especially you know with the way that he's been involved over the last couple years with the organization and continues to do that um there is no one more deserving of being elected to the to the baseball hall of fame at least from the mariners um he's absolutely earned it he's one of the best hitters of all time there is no debating that uh, and I'm 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 very very proud to finally uh, see this day come. I'm ho- uh, you know obviously it's not official yet. I'm hoping there are no surprises 
uh, you know, in the next couple hours, but uh, I'm sure there won't be. It looks really good for him, and I'm, I'm just, I'm extremely pleased. So, you know, congrats, you know, I, I know he's not listening to this, but just, you know, throwing this out there and in, into the open, you know, congratulations to, to Edgar and to his family and to the Mariners organization and especially the Mariners PR team for, for what they did uh, to help him uh, get, get to this point. Um, it's just been a fantastic job from, from all sides and, um, yeah, I'm just I'm really proud to be involved in in this uh, community that has really made such a a that has produced such a great movement for for one of the team's uh, greatest players. Yeah. Um, so yeah, enjoy today, Mariners fans. Um, you know, Edgar Martinez deserves everything he's about to get and i couldn't be happier for him uh i'm happy for for uh for us uh not to try and steal you know one percent of the thunder from edgar martinez um but i don't think this happens without all of us pushing um pushing edgar's case and like you mentioned the mariners pr team uh the franchise as a whole other players from the era uh you know the folks that look out landing and uss mariner and fan graphs and you know all that entire group uh who've really pushed the uh pushed the candidacy and pushed it in like an extreme amount um like we mentioned five years ago he was at what 27 percent or something like that yeah and today he's going to be a hall of famer and that that does not happen without um just a tremendous amount of fan and uh independent pushing of uh of a voting body to, uh, to change their mind so drastically. Um, so it, it, it's a great day for Edgar Martinez and it's a great day for fans of the Seattle Mariners. And I just, I, I couldn't be, I couldn't be happier for Edgar and his family. Um, and it's, it makes everything, uh, that we've been waiting for well worth it. Uh, Edgar will be immortalized forever in July and I can't wait till he comes back to Seattle and we get to uh, show our appreciation um, for all that he's accomplished. So uh, congratulations to Edgar Martinez, the Seattle Mariners, all of his teammates, uh, the PR, the PR team uh, and all the fans who advocated and pushed and uh, really tried to force home uh, the idea that Edgar Martinez is a hall of famer because he absolutely is. So um, that's going to wrap it up for us here at Soto Mojo, uh, the Soto Mojo podcast. Be sure to join the website, sotomojo.com. We have lots of stuff uh, up in the next couple days. We have shed long breakdowns. We have Edgar Martinez articles. Uh, we have a ton going up over the next couple days, so be sure to check that out. Follow us on Twitter, at SotomojoFS. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching SotoMojo. Um, and, you know, with all that being said, uh, that's going to wrap it up, guys. So thanks for listening. Be sure you download and subscribe, and I will see you in another life. Peace. Peace.